You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on December 16th, 2018, by Mother Carrie Klukas. A reading from the prophet Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together for I will make you renowned and praised among all peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord, help us to turn from the things that draw us away from God and help us to experience unexplainable joy that comes from you. And Lord, help those who are weeping keep on sowing for you are a good and holy God. Amen. Please be seated. The third Sunday of Advent is a Sunday in which we turn, turns joy. We call this Gaudette Sunday. And if you'll notice, Jerry lit the pink candle today. And it calls to attention the fact that this is a special Sunday in Advent that turns our eyes to joy that comes from the birth of our Lord. All of Advent is a time of preparing our broken hearts and our broken lives towards the coming of Jesus. Over the weeks, we've been focusing on um, setting our eyes on on our sinfulness and on God's goodness and his mercy to accept us. And today we call on joy, the joy of the Lord. The prophet Zephaniah, I want to focus in that passage today. Today he calls the people into a season of rejoicing for what God will do for them. He believes that the Lord will redeem and restore his people. And he encourages the people to rejoice for the good things that are to come. Zephaniah calls the people in Judah to sing for joy. Jubilation does not arise from their own actions, but rather because of the presence of God. Their punishment is over, and their foreign enemy or the instrument of God's wrath has been removed. Zephaniah is seeking to share a vision of release from captivity to the people of Judah. He's seeking to paint a picture of freedom for the people of God. The people of Judah are kind of like us in that we need to be reminded of what's to come. 
The people of Judah, they suffer. They suffer greatly with abandonment and fear and with seasons of constant running. Life will not always be filled with moments of pain and suffering or captivity, but rather our Lord will come again and set us free. Whether we suffer in our hearts or in our minds or in our physical lives, God will indeed, he's going to ease our sufferings and he's going to ease our brokenheartedness. He will restore our lives to exemplify his glory in the world. He'll come again and he'll make our lives new and he'll unite our church as one. Instead of there being so many different churches and we'll all be united as one body, proclaiming the goodness of our Lord without division. Sometimes I feel like there's this, a lot of pressure this time of the year to be really bright and merry. Songs blare at us from stores and doctor's offices and car radios telling us to be happy and cheerful. And everywhere you look, someone's talking about it being this most wonderful time of the year. And for some of people, it really is. And for others, this is a season of great mourning and sorrow and loss. This attitude often flows into our church life as if we're supposed to will ourselves into joy, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to make ourselves um, happy and to just choose joy. And I say that is the beauty of this scripture passage today, that we do not have to make ourselves joyful, but rather in the presence of God, that's when we experience joy and freedom. Zephaniah is pointing to a kind of joy that comes from basking in the presence of the Lord and of beholding his beauty. When we come near to Jesus, everything changes. Our attitudes, our thoughts, and our hearts. What was once cold and hard becomes soft and warm. What was once selfish and inward becomes open and outward-facing. What was once defensive becomes gracious and accepting of others. When we come into the presence of God, things that seem to be really big deals really aren't. Our perspective changes in a way that helps us to love one another and to accept one another. I don't know about you, but there is um, a season in my life when I thought that I needed to pray for Jesus to show up. I thought, I don't know if it's one, okay. I thought that if I was in this, if I was in a worship service and I was not moved emotionally, then God wasn't present. Something was missing and the spirit was not in this place. That, however, couldn't be further from the truth. God, by his very nature, is present in our worship service. But the question comes, are we? Sometimes the music or the preacher or the readings or the lighting or the color of the carpet or the furnishing seems to bother us. Or maybe we find someone distracting 
and we become very easy to lay blame to them for our unawareness of God. However, Zephaniah reminds us today that God is present in worship. He gives of himself, and he lavishes us with his love. Zephaniah reminds us now in the presence, and he's reminding to their people, the presence of their loving Lord and of their King, of their Yahweh, and that they have no more reason to fear. Just being in the presence of God can bring comfort. There are many Sundays, as many of you have seen, when I'm busy leaving church four times in a service, or plucking a little one off the floor 25 times, or giving a bunch of the children the mama means business look. (laughs) And it can be really tempting to think that God is not here. But the truth is that God is totally present. And he's waiting. He's waiting for me. If only I would come to him. If only I would look up to him and see him. So whether it's the wiggly kid next to you or near you, or the style of music, or that loud coffer, (coughs) God is indeed here at Good Samaritan. And he deeply, deeply desires for you to come to him so that you can be comforted by him and so he can meet you. Learning to quiet our insides without the outsides around us being quiet is a really true gift that God desires to give to us. So the next time you feel flustered or annoyed during church, Try stopping, this is what I do, I I stop, ask God to stop my train of thought, I ask Satan to drive far from me, and I pray for that person or that situation that distracts you. Turn your annoyance into prayer for others. Turn your distraction back to Jesus, and he will meet you there and give you a deeper experience of worship. Each time I remember that a person who is driving me nuts, that they have a soul, and that they will go on forever, it helps me to be, have more compassion for them and not just react in my own frustration. Zephaniah is reminding the people of God that fear and the physical and his physical manifestations of powerlessness are things of the past. And because of the very presence of Israel's God, who is also her king, in his might, as this divine warrior, he is powerful enough to save them. And the God who we worship gives us joy, and he can redeem us from hard places of desolation and hopelessness and of desperation. I encourage you this week to sit down, take some time to reflect back on your life and see how God has spared you or redeemed you for something in your life. Our memories are really short. We don't always remember everything. And when we do things like this, sit down and take note of our life, we remind ourselves the truth 
Perhaps it was financial hardship or poor relational decisions or bad business decisions or poor health choices. Think back on how God redeemed you out of this situation and write it down and come back to it over and over again and remind yourself of God's faithfulness to you. About nine years ago, Chris and I were just a few years into our debt payoff journey, and I will absolutely never forget sitting in this teeny tiny office while my babies were sleeping and calculating out um, how much debt we had to pay off, which was huge, and what our budget was and what we could afford to give to our debt. And when I sat down and I took this budget and calculator and my pen and paper and I laid it all down, all I could do was just sit my head on the desk and sob. There was no way that anything was going to change for 30, 40, or 50 years based off that paper and pen. We were living so simply with so little in order to give everything that we had to our debt that nothing was going to change for a very long time. And Jesus, in his great mercy, just spoke to me and he said, just steward for this month. And he only needed me to trust him just one little month at a time. And he was so, so very right. And for me and for Chris, it was such an incredible journey. I wouldn't trade anything now for those beautiful years of drawing near to each other and of trusting God and of giving ourselves to God's work. It was in our incredible place of need that we became most aware of God's provision. And every time we needed shoes for our kids or electricity bills to be paid or medical bills to be paid, God would cover them and provide just what we needed. God reminds his people, he redeems his people and brings them to places of joy. And as he acted on the behalf of his people in the past, so he will again, then and today, power and gentleness are combined in the same person. The warrior is like a parent, delighting in the return of their lost child and quieting his or her fears. How many of you have ever experienced where you thought you lost one of your children? It doesn't matter whatever he or she has done before or how naughty they were and how mad you were, but when you find them, you feel such a flood of relief that washes over you and all you care about is holding and loving that child. God is like that with us. When we come to the Lord with our concern, with our fear and our desolation, he hears and he can set us free. He longs to provide for you, to bring you joy and to bring you deep personal quietness. God delights in seeing your face in worship and he longs to hear of your concerns and in your worries. And the Philippians passage today we hear, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious 
about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your life matters to God. You matter to the one who made heaven and earth. The creator of all, he loves you and he cares for you. God is big enough to carry our concern and our worry. Zephaniah points out that the previous oppression and the external threat and internal corruption that's going on will be removed. And those who have been physically maimed and hurt and geographically or socially outcast and scattered, that they will be rescued and they'll be gathered. He's prophesying about what God is going to do for and with his people. His prophecy is for us as well. God desires to set people free, free from their bondage and their oppression. Here in Jacksonville, we are gifted with an incredible, incredible ministry um, called Christian Healing Ministries. And in which you can go and you can actually get prayer for all kinds of issues that are in your life. Whether it's insecurity about who you are and about what you've been made for, or if it's physical suffering or mental suffering, you can receive prayer and intercession. And we are absolutely, in my end, deeply blessed to have the Paulsley family here among us and who stand in this incredible ministry. And I know at 1030 service, Ken is often here on Sundays with a group of people who have been trained to pray for people. And they come and they stand after you receive communion off to the side and they pray with people and ask God to intercede, to change, to heal, to make new. And I, I promise you, that if God leads you to come and to ask for prayer, that it can change your life and your heart for good. I have a little boy who's four, and he asked me one day, can I go up and get prayer? And I said, what for? And he said, I have a cold. And I said, and you think they, and he said, I think they can heal me. And he came up, this little boy, all by himself, and walked up and asked him to pray for him. And you should have seen his face when he came back. He looked so joyful and so peaceful, and he talks about this. He longs to go up and receive prayer now. All throughout the week, he'll ask for it. He said, that was amazing. I say, what did they do? He said, they, they healed me. They prayed for me. They anointed me. They put oil. He said, they put oil on my head. God can change our lives, and he desires to, and it's never late to be changed. It's never too late to be shaped by God for good. Zephaniah says that even honor will be restored to those who are once a people of shame. Aren't we all a people of shame? One of the really important aspects of being a Christian is remembering that we too can so easily fall and so easily succumb to any number of sins. 
When I hear of another Christian leader announcing the end of their ministry due to scandal, it causes me to fear and to tremble just a bit. How easily could that have been me or someone else I know? When I hear of another marriage that has failed, I tremble and I cling to Jesus, begging him for softness of my heart that's needed to stay in marriage. We are all people of shame, and yet we have this God who loves us so much as to come after us and to come into this world as this little infant vulnerable child in order to set us free of our shame. Yahweh is actively and he is personally pleasant, present and blessing us as he was in judging. He speaks directly in Zephaniah eight times in these last three verses. And he directly addresses Israel as you. And in spite of this strain that was brought on by their relationship with their sin, Israel is still God's people. And he's still their God. Our sin can never drive God away. But our sin can cause us to flee from his presence. We can miss out on the love that God desires to give us by clinging to our sin and by running away from him who can fix it. One day, we have this, I have one child, I won't tell you who, who one day she fell, or they fell, and they landed on the sidewalk and they skinned up their knees and they're bleeding and they're crying and they're screaming and they come running to me and their knees are bleeding and they're screaming like, it hurts, help me. And I go forward to help them and they scream, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. I said, well, you're bleeding, you know, we have to do something here. And I am trying to help this child who's screaming at me, help me, don't touch it, help me, don't touch it. And she's longing for me to comfort her. And yet she's pushing me away. This is so very much how we are often with God. And as I care for this little girl, I gently and quietly went about the task to get her cleaned up and to care for her. And finally, at the end of all of it, she thanked me. And she thanked me and she knew that she was going to get better, that things would be better from there. God desires to care for us like this, to be gently and peacefully and knowing what is good for us. God's ultimate desire is not to inflict punishment on us, even those who disobey him, but rather is to restore everyone to a right relationship with him. Whether he's talking about nationally, like the whole people of Israel, like in Zephaniah, or individually in each one of our own lives, he longs to be able to restore our fortunes. He longs to give us joy that makes no sense in the light of our circumstances. He longs to give us peace in the midst of storms and of trials. He longs to hear us rejoice and to cry out to him with praise. Our promise today in the scriptures is that we will be given peace 
and joy when we come into his presence. And when we turn our hearts to him, he will enter and he will give us such love and of such peace. In the Psalms today, it says, Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. True peace in God is possible in Christ. And being in his presence is possible, despite interruptions or noises or distractions. You can come into his goodness and his mercy even when your head is absolutely swirling with to-do lists and worries and sorrow and lost hopes and dreams. God has room for us in his presence. So in these next few weeks of hustle and bustle before the Christmas craziness, and if you're on Blanding, you know what I'm talking about these days, let us remember that God's goodness and deep, deep desire is to restore us. Rejoice, O children of Good and Samaritan. Rejoice, for the Lord is good and he has a plan for you. Rejoice, for his love is meant to comfort you and to bring you peace. Rejoice, because his joy does not depend on our doing it, but in rather in being in his presence. And may you experience him intimately in the days to come. And may you join us for this absolute great festival of the birth of our Lord. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.